Uh, greetings and welcome to the Asian American and Asian Research Institute's Friday Lecture Series online edition. My name is Anthony Wong, Program Coordinator for the Institute, and uh, I hope everyone is enjoying their Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, we're honored to have with us uh, today uh, Skylar Chin and Olivia Facini to present to us Illegal, a poetry rock that rap musical based on Skylar's grandfather's immigration documents from when he was detained on Angel Island in 1923. Uh, if you want to learn more about Angel Island after this talk, uh, please check out Angel Island Immigrant Gateway to America by historian Erica Lee and our friend, the late Judy Young, as well as Judy's book uh, with him, Mark Lai, Island, Poetry and History of Chinese Immigrants on Angel Island, 1910 to 1949. Uh, Judy has also presented an airy on the poetry of Chinese immigrants on Ellis Island. Uh, the video for that talk is available on our website. Uh, Skylar Chen is a musician, martial artist, and writer born in San Francisco and raised in New York, a uh, sixth generation Chinese American. He is a firm believer in the power of family storytelling to instill empathy and build connections. In 2019, in recognition of his work representing diverse stories and an authentic female Kung Fu narrative in Illegal, his first musical, Skylar received the Yale Tsai City CITY Arts uh, Innovation Award and the Harvard National Arts Fellowship to study martial arts movie production in Southern China under Sin Kwak Lam, uh, the producer of the film Hitman, uh, in 2000, uh, which is, came out in 2008. Outside of the arts, Skylar works for sustainability and climate change projects at JLL in New York. Uh, his uh, director of uh, Illegal, Olivia Facini, is a multidisciplinary theater maker with experience as a director, producer, a dramaturg, a playwright, and choreographer. A passionate advocate of equity for diver and diversity within the industry, Olivia is committed to creative and creating inclusive and community building theater. Uh, she often works with first-time artists to bring new voices and often unheard perspectives uh, to the art form. Uh, she's currently based in New York. Uh, Olivia has worked in the literary and artistic departments of Atlantic Theater Company and Williamstown Theater Festival. Uh, she is currently leading several projects as a freelance director, producer, and playwright. Uh, she's been developing Illegal with Skylar uh, since 2018, and it brings her a lot of joy. Uh, please welcome Skylar Chin and Olivia Facini. Thank you so much to AAARI to, uh, we're, uh, for having us. We're very excited um, to, uh, to have this talk. Um, just a really quick um, a really quick overview of what we're going to be discussing. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the power of storytelling to instill change and empathy and push back against a lot of the anti-Asian sentiments that have been um, unfortunately occurring over the last year, pandemic, and uh, also over the last uh, couple centuries. Um, using our, we're going to be discussing uh, Illegal, a new musical, as an example of what we're trying to do to, to do that. Um, and yeah, so uh, we're also going to have some songs for you, so uh, get excited. Um, so yeah, I'm Skylar Chin. I'm the creative musical. And I'm Olivia. I'm the director and producer. We're really excited to be here. So um, hope everyone can see my screen. We are sharing a presentation. All right. Uh, ready, Skylar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so just wanted to, so so just qu really quickly, one thing that, um, one, one of the most common number one microaggressions that uh, Asian Americans like myself face uh, is the question, where are you really from? And 
uh, we've been interrogated that, you know, figuratively and literally throughout history. Um, and usually, you know, my answer is New York. And then when people press harder on that, the, my real answer is like, oh, you got me. I was born in California. But I want to ask that to myself a little bit more deeply um, to frame it as where is the place that you're really from, really from. Um, and so to that end, I just want to acknowledge that I live and work on Manhattan, um, which is the land of the Lenape people and uh, Angel Island, where this, uh, where our musical Illegal is set largely um, before it was used as an immigration station to keep out Asian Americans, it was it belonged to the Miwok people. So I just wanted to acknowledge uh, indigenous people of the past, present, and the future. So why are we why are we here? Why are we what are we responding to right now? Um, I know that everybody. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that most people on on this call are very aware of uh, all the anti-Asian uh, incidents that have happened. Um, Many of you probably have experienced it yourself. I know I have um, living in, in the city over the past year. Um, and I know a lot of people are asking, what can we do? Why is this happening? Um, and so before we get into what can we do, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the historical context and break down and unpack why these things have been happening. So as Skylar said, Sadly, anti-Asian racism is not a new thing. It's been around for a long time. So what does that history look like? Well, there is historical precedent for almost every instance of racism. Here is a crazy laundry list of events and things that include violence, riots, laws, lawsuits, a whole list that we won't get into, but it just illustrates that this has been happening for a long time. And this history has also included openly racist cartoons and images in the press, like this one, which is captioned, The Chinese Must Go, or um, even Dr. Seuss cartoons. And it has also included institutions like the Angel Island Immigration Station, which forced Asian immigrants to go through physical examinations and rigorous interrogations and long periods of detention that non-Asian immigrants did not have to go through. So what does that all result in now? Um, well, we have seen tragically the violence that this kind of thinking and bigotry has created. And um, it also creates the kinds of microaggressions that Skylar was mentioning before. These things that people say include Chinese people eat blank, or we have COVID because your people eat everything. And um, Skylar's family being kicked out of New Hyde Park by their prospective neighbors. So all of these have deeply personal effects. Another way that these microaggressions surface is through the lens of the perpetual foreigner myth, which is basically the concept that people can't understand that Asian Americans are truly American. And they'll say things to friends like, wow, your English is so good. Or as Skylar was saying before, a classic, where are you really from? And this perpetual foreigner myth feeds into a lot of the negativity that we've been talking about. Um, as does the model minority myth, which 
in which people say things like, ha ha, Skylar, you're Asian, how come you failed your physics test? Or if America is so racist, why do Asians make so much money? That's a terrible, cruel, unjustifiable response to something like the Atlanta shootings. And these are really malignant, even though we consider them just microaggressions. They have a history that comes from the anti-Black media coverage around the civil rights movement. And why is this so bad, we might ask nowadays? Um, well, it, it has serious consequences, which is that it creates inhuman expectations for Asian Americans. It creates anti-Asian sentiment, also anti-Black sentiment, um, with the, the feeling that the racism and the legacy of Jim Crow should just be forgotten. And also it creates a wedge of resentment toward Asians from other groups. So this is all a lot of weight and seriousness that this, this, these kinds of myths create, even though they're just myths. So then we ask the question, Right. We asked the question, what can we do now? You know, we've just discussed how deeply ingrained um, anti-Asian sentiments are uh, woven into the fabric of our country, uh, both in media and policy and uh, everything in between. So, yeah, how can we even begin to push back against that? Well, um, there's many things that we can do uh, practically, and these are all very, very important, you know, voting, getting politically involved. Um, bystander intervention, if you're like me, practicing your, your Gung Fu, uh, advocating, for, uh, advocating for and allying with Asian Americans, um, depending on your identity, and advocating and allying with other marginalized uh, communities. Um, and what we want to lean on is, you know, as artists uh, ourselves is uh, storytelling. So this is actually, I think storytelling is the most magical way to push back against things that are extremely culturally deeply ingrained um, because it really just gets to the humanity of an issue, right? So, and, and storytelling in the, in the sense of uh, create, creation, art, um, entertainment. Uh, so really quickly, what is storytelling? Well, I think it's just, a, a story is just a tale of, a uh, sequence of events with characters in it in a setting um, where they where they you go on a journey uh, with them over time they they have conflict they start in one place they go to another place and over the course of the journey the audience learns something um, about themselves and about other people and about the people who are in the story um, and uh, you know I think it's magical because stories do all of these things here they they humanize people they instill a sense of empathy. Um, they, you know, when you're talking about the emotions of something that really, you know, gets people to think it, it you know, they, they, they walk in somebody else's shoes. Um, in addition, because it's entertainment, it just grabs your attention and, you know, better than, better than uh, a PowerPoint can. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it, it just tells the truth. And lastly, uh, storytelling encourages and empowers people to tell their own stories, especially, um, you know, if they if they're also like art and they want to make it. So why is storytelling important? Uh, you could take it from us or you could take it from the artists of the Yellow Pearl Project. 
who tell us we have to keep dreaming big and they talk about the importance of education and educating people about Asian American history. They say we have to make it a part of American history, otherwise we'll always be seen as foreigners. And if we don't tell our stories, people can perpetrate violence against us. Um, this is going back to the perpetual foreigner myth that we were talking about before. And something that Skylar and I have discussed is the irony of the assumptions that people would make about the two of us just by the way that we look. It's actually the case that Skylar's family has been in the US decades longer than mine has been. And people wouldn't necessarily think that. And I think that that's something that we really need to look hard at and show uh, that, that that those assumptions are not true. And we also have more storytelling um, power from Amanda Wynn. Uh, there are so many great quotes, but I'll just state a few. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. Silence erases our humanity. In order to be anti-racist, you have to include the Asian American experience. Those are some words to live by. Yeah, and I just wanted to include this really great um, uh, picture that my, my aunt got at the uh, Union Square vigil after the Atlanta shootings. I think this this one um, poster in the middle with my favorite uh, boy band BTS on it uh, really, really summarizes what the power of art and storytelling does. Like it creates, you know, symbols and language that uh, a lot of people can relate to in a human level. And, you know, I think this right here, just this, this, um, this phrase, Asians are people too, this, this really captures the, uh, the spirit of what we're all trying to convey, especially in response to everything that's happened recently. So our own response to the world has been to create illegal, a new musical. So I guess just some background on um, why, uh, yeah, I guess some people ask me like, oh, why did you go and like, why do you spend so much time and like create an entire musical about Chinese exclusion? Well, uh, just, to, just to tell a little bit of a story. So when I was growing up, um, my, you know, my family background is, you know, uh, as Anthony said in the beginning, is that I'm a sixth generation Chinese American. And there's not, uh, you know, at least where I grew up, there's not that many people who share my background. So there was always a lot of dissonance. Um, Asian Americans, who, a lot of whom were uh, first generation, uh, their parents came after 1965 uh, to the U.S., didn't understand my Americanness, and when my, you know, like, for example, when they visited my house and they met my grandma who speaks fluent English and doesn't speak Chinese, um, they, they react, they were just so bamboozled and, and re reacted like, oh, well, you're, there's something wrong with you as an Asian person. And then I have to explain that. And then, you know, the classic, like with non-Asian people, they'd always assume that I was from China or like they, my professors got me confused with people <laughs> who were from China um, and everything in between. So all my whole life I had to, I was just explaining um, Chinese exclusion to people. And I was explaining where, where I was really from. And I was always known, you know, in high school, I was that Chinese exclusion act kid who was like talking about, about you know my grandfather's interrogation like all the time and I like I had this one time when the uh when the um 
my AP US teacher said, you know, I, I assume that all of you motioning to the class, like all, everybody who's Asian is uh, first generation immigrant because of the, uh, the Immigration Act. And I, I had a soapbox moment where like, I, I like raised my hand and I told, I just told him about like this history that, you know, wasn't in the textbook. Um, so that was always simmering in my mind. I always wanted to talk about that. But then along came this, along came this politician who was very popular, who in 2016 based his entire campaign on um, anti-immigrant rhetoric that was, that to me just seemed like it was just like ripped out of uh, one of those car political cartoons from, from like the 1920s, 1800s, a hundred years ago. And I was just thinking like, you know, if every, if people had known about the anti-Asian history of this country and uh, the history of Chinese exclusion and everything from a hundred years ago, if that was properly addressed and taught um, or even just in, in the public consciousness through art um, and, and musicals and TV shows, I think then the Donald Trump wouldn't have had as much success when, you know, when he was running on that rhetoric. Um, and history wouldn't have repeated itself so intensely. So I was really, uh, so ultimately I, I wanted to write this musical, you know, I'm, uh, you know, also leaning on my background as a, uh, just somebody who was always rocking and rapping and, and uh, making music and doing martial arts all my life. Um, all that culminated in this desire to create this musical um, about my family's immigration stories. So to give voice to, uh, Asian Americans like my own grandparents, grandfather, um, whose stories were left out, uh, whitewashed from history, you know, just not taught. Um, and also to convey this, the, the fighting spirit of the people who, who, uh, gave so much and gave it their all to come here. Um, some of them living as paper sons or, uh, as one of the songs in our show, imposters, you know, um, taking a lot of secrets to the grave. Um, just, just to give, just to pay respect to that story and also to, uh, tell the story. So history, you know, properly recognizes it and it doesn't repeat itself. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so oh yeah. So this slide is, this, Sorry, we're cutting each other. Oh, okay. So yeah, so this slide is um, just a little bit about the process. It was, it was largely based on my grandfather's actual interrogation transcripts and um, the story of what happened. And also the lyrics are inspired largely by poetry that was carved into the walls of Angel Island by uh, Chinese detainees. So we wanted to give you a sense of what that actually looks like. Um, courtesy of the amazing Angel Island Immigration Station Foundation, we have a reproduction of the Cantonese verses that these poets carved into their cell walls. And then right next to it, the English translation. And from those English translations, Schuyler crafted lyrics. Here, this is the opening verse of our introductory song of the musical, which is entitled Juk Songs. And, and Skylar is going to increase us with a demonstration. Oh. Well, I uh, surprise I have the guitar. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I'll just do 
just to demonstrate a little bit of this song. Just a poetry and it's important to note that not all of them are sad and ballady there are also a number of poems that were fiery and political and promised that they would make it into the U.S. and the the poets would burn down the Angel Island immigration station so Skylar wanted to capture some of that fire in another one of our songs which is entitled Keep Dreaming it's towards the end of the musical and this is what it sounds like. Yeah, this is just a quick snippet of that ver of this verse that in there. Remember how you'd run around your war zone hometown, repeating that you'd go to Gold Mountain and promise to bring a peace back, no matter how they beat back. Chinese with Isaacs, but when you went to see that day, you couldn't see that. It keeps going, but we can skip ahead. <laughs> um, oh yeah, this part. Look at through those red steel bars, it's open across those frigid green waters. We soak in the sun the moment it comes, a moment to run. The morning will come, we've only begun to shine. Do not forget this day when you land ashore. <laughs> that was really exciting to see how the poetry became lyrics and how they gave so naturally to each other. And as you may have heard Skylar mention before, it wasn't just poetry that inspired him, but also interrogations. And specifically, Skylar, in his research, found the interrogation transcript of his grandfather when he was passing through Angel Island. And he turned that into a song as well. Um, and the character in this song who's getting interrogated is named Fat Pork. And Fat Pork was originally born in the U.S., then went back to China, and is now trying to gain entry back into his homeland. Um, and we could have Skylar demonstrate this for you, but we also could give you a fuller sense of what it sounds like. So this will be interrogation featuring our great cast member, Nicholas Leung. Interrogation of applicant number 724. Interpreter is Carter Lee. You were advised your right to admission to this country will be today considered by this board. The regulations state that if your answers to these questions do not match those of your alleged father, William Wong, you will be denied entry to the U.S. Applicant number 724 sworn. State your name, your age, and your place of birth. Fat Port, 21, USA for what it's worth. Married? No. Siblings, state One. their name and whereabouts. Devin Wong, New York. Did you leave any siblings out? Nope. Grandparents still alive? No. Where's your grandpa buried? <laughs> With my grandmother. Kid? Which cemetery? Valhalla. New York? Man, they're trying to break my balls. Oh, no. 
This is another really interesting uh, historical document. It's from my grandfather's, uh, it, it was it was written by my grandfather's immigration, uh, it, it's the appeal from my grandfather's immigration uh, lawyer, the aptly named ally, Mr. White, a white and white law firm. And so this was just really inspiring because it, it lends itself very well to a, a legal rap battle. And um, this, yeah, so, so we adapted this, my, my friend and I who, um, so I, sorry, I wrote this with my friend who is going to uh, law school. And so I figured that, you know, collaborating with him on this piece would be, you know, the, the way to ensure 100% historical accuracy. Um, and I can do a quick, a quick demonstration of this one. To Angel Island. Sir, I hereby file a notice of appearance in the case of that court, applying for admission in the jurisdiction under you in that court. I don't mean to bore you, but the case before you is number 724, and I've been pouring through the corpus. I'm absorbed and frankly bored by your contemporary court. And they go on. Nice. That's a really fun one. We stage it as a rap battle between the director of the Angel Island Immigration Station and the Mr. White Esquire. It's, it's a fun one. So during his research, Skylar also read articles about detainees trying to bribe interpreters to help their case, and um, interpreters would often try to warn them not to do that because it doesn't help. But we found this a really interesting detail and Skylar incorporated it into a song in the show and these are their the lyrics and again we're going to give you a little taste of what that sounds like this is pledge allegiance which is the introduction song of our interpreter character named Carter Lee and Carter is a Chinese American and she works as an interpreter on the island and so she is facing this difficult internal struggle while she's trying to prove that she deserves to be called American to the her white superiors on Angel Island while she's and also trying to advocate for the rights of the people who look like her who are the detainees that she's in, interpreting for. So without further ado, this is Pledge Allegiance featuring Sandrine Lee Bonton, Nicholas Leung, and Sita Sumio. I pledge allegiance, pledge allegiance to the flag, to the flag of, the of the United States for which it stands. Which it stands. One, nation, one nation, one job, one job. indivisible with liberty, liberty and justice, justice for all. all. I got a job in the fog in the view of the bay. Okay. I bet that you'd want it too if you knew about the pay. And when the clock strikes four at the end of the day, I got a little more honor to my name. I'm an interpreter, honestly. I'm not in your history, but it's 1923 and my people exist. You need a real quick wit to survive as a Chinaman, yeah. Even if you're born here. Yay! That was Pledge Allegiance, which we hope you all really enjoyed. Now, let me get back to our slides. I got, I got a message from somebody in, in the audience who said that they would they, they, are, they are clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate the claps. 
So, um, yeah, so after, you know, seeing, seeing, uh, these snippets from the show and, uh, hearing us talk about it, uh, you know, that raises the question, what are we doing now? Um, we want to keep performing and just, you know, we, we feel like this is, it's really important to keep performing, um, this musical and the show and talk about this narrative because, you know, especially because of all the, um, you know, just it's, uh, it's relevance in, you know, given what we talked about before with uh, everything that's been happening, you know, with, with Stop Asian Hate um, and all the anti-Asian sentiments that continue to go uh, un, unchecked, unaddressed. And we, we, we really think that our stories need to be told and need to be heard. Um, and uh, we also want to inspire, keep inspiring people to uh, look at, you know, look into their own stories and, and tell those stories as well. And yeah, we just, we also just wanted to uh, note this uh, set of um, this subset of really cool work that the Asian uh, Asian Angel Island Immigration Station Foundation does uh, to address um, to to look into the different stories of uh, many different people who from all all over um, all over the world who also uh, face different uh, immigration challenges and you know, even at Angel Island. Um, during that same time period, uh, my family's story is just one Chinese American story, and there's so many others that uh, are really, really interesting that I encourage uh, people to look into. Um, this uh, on the right here, these are some these are some links to uh, stories that myself and other uh, Yale interns, uh, we, we uh, some of us interned for the uh, AI, AISF, um, we put together these. Uh, stories based on some uh, primary documents that, uh, you know, as part of the work documenting non-Chinese stories for uh, Angel Island. And yeah, these are just really interesting. Like the first one, the Dillon family uh, is a, a Sikh family who, uh, from, from America, uh, there were Americans who were going to India on uh, to visit a family, uh, to visit family members, and they were coming back and they were detained on Angel Island because um, some, some act or some policy was instated while they were abroad and uh, they spent a long time fighting for their right to come back home to the U.S. And uh, yeah, so there's all these really interesting um, stories that I definitely encourage people to check out too. So in summary, we want to encourage people to tell your story and um, to do it creatively if you're so moved. So if you liked our presentation and you're interested in supporting the musical and our work in general, we would be so grateful if you would follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and um, donate to our GoFundMe, whose goal is to generate enough funds to produce a professional production um, in 2022, which will be in honor of the 140th anniversary of the Chinese Exclusion Act. So thank you all again so much for listening and we are excited to open it up to Q&A now. Thank you very much, Skylar and Olivia for your great presentation. Uh, let's see who is available for a question. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry I'm calling in and wasn't able to see the visuals, but the musical was certainly powerful, and um, bravo, bravo to both of you. I think it's uh, 
tremendous performance and obviously couldn't be more timely. Uh, my name is Michael. I live in Manhattan. I was lucky a few years ago when I was visiting a cousin in San Francisco to go out to Angel Island and to, to see the memorial there and to see the station. Um, and I wanted to ask you, there's such a different feeling there, which you captured through the poetry of anger and disappointment than the way that Ellis Island here is celebrated as, you know, the great gateway to the diverse America. In fact, most of the people who came through suffered their own kinds of oppression, the Irish, the Southern Italians, the Slavs, the Germans, they all had their share. But uh, it was the Chinese who were exclusively um, singled out uh, on an ethnic basis to be excluded from the country. But I wondered if you had anything to say about comparing those two in the way that the country treats those two uh, facilities. I, I don't think most people honestly have heard of Angel Island, whereas Ellis Island is, is, is a commonplace because it's held up as a great American success story. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Michael, is was that your yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Also, thank you for calling in and listening to this. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So that's a really great point that, um, you know, A, there were so many different experiences from so many different people uh, from Europe, you know, and uh, Asians uh, all over the world who, uh, who these policies affected. And also, yeah, that's a, uh, that is actually something that we definitely wanted to touch on uh, when writing the musical too. Uh, we have this, in the song where uh, PB Jones, the fictional uh, uh, inspector who's in charge of Angel Island um, is introduced. He has this verse where he talks about, uh, you may have heard of Ellis Island and Lady Liberty. Give me your poor tired masses, a load of crap they're giving me. Europeans had a 60 second physical. Are you kidding me? Angel Island is the guardian of the Western gate. We don't do that on this coast. Um, and we, yeah, we really wanted to talk about that too, because, uh, yeah, I think that's just a, that's just something that's important. That's an important distinction to make in the, in the history. Yeah, essential. And I, one last thing, I wondered if you were collaborating with the Museum of Chinese in America, because that seems like a, a logical partner for your, your musical. Yeah, we did. Yes. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Let me, you can we, well, you, you, you can talk about it, but, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to talk about something else. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we, we worked with them to do, yeah. One, I think one of the first, um, public performances we did was actually at their open mic night in, um, oh, that's right. so yeah, they're, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, they, they, they do a lot of cool stuff and especially their, um, their stuff with the arts. Uh, we, oh. appreciate, yeah, we really appreciated that yes. chance. Yeah. We've well, performed thanks. with them a couple of times now. Thank you and congratulations, and I hope you can really take it on the road. Thank you. We appreciate it. Okay. Let's see. Um, Olivia and Skylar, actually, uh, in terms of the musical in its present form, what's the current running time of it, the whole thing? It's about 90 minutes. So... We, we can do it without an intermission. It's, it's snappy and quick. I see. And then um, could you actually discuss how the two of you 
collab got together to collaborate on this project. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, I, I, maybe I'll tell my side of the story, and then Skylar, if I miss anything or you want to tell your side, definitely go ahead. Um, in the summer of 2018, when Skylar had written, I had decided to write the interrogation, actually, which I think was the first song of the musical, and he performed it at the MOCA, the Museum of Chinese in America, open mic night. Um, he got a lot of great feedback from that, and people said, you know, you should make this a bigger thing. You should make this into a musical, and so Skylar decided that summer that he should, and, um, but he didn't really do musicals. Um, he's more of a musician and I was more theater. So he called me, we were friends from college. And so he called me and said, how do I do a musical? Um, what should I know? And so I brought my theater knowledge and knowledge of how to make a production and get grants and that kind of thing to the project and just was a second set of ears for him while he developed the story and um, the lyrics and that kind of thing. So I, I don't know if that answers the question. Do you want to add anything, Skylar? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, my side of the story was um, I was thinking of for a long time of like how to, you know, how to make, how to turn these few songs that I've written about my family's story into a whole uh, musical and a uh, mutual friend was just like, oh boy, do I have a, a, a contact for you who, somebody, somebody who would be great to work with and um, during senior year who, who, who would want to uh, work with you and make this a reality. So um, then, yeah, we talked on the phone about about the idea and then it was really funny because like at first we you know like I wasn't a theater person and Olivia was like okay I'll just I'll, I'll like I'll show you how this works and um and uh yeah we yeah it was like at that time uh, I don't I had only even written a few songs so it was like it was really a a, a voyage that we were setting out on Yes. Yeah, we didn't know exactly what it would become or when we could do it or when Skylar would even be done with writing the music, but it just happened organically. And I was so excited about the music and the story that he was telling. And I was like, I'm on board. I don't know. <laughs> We're sailing this ship together. That's so great. that was, I was really excited. Great. <laughs> it's very uh, Hamilton-esque, <laughs> your, your, your musical. So. <laughs> uh, what, what's the total number of songs that you have uh, written? Um, some of them, you know, some of them are reprises, uh, uh, but overall it's 26 back to back. Okay. Yes, it's a sung through musical. So for the most part, there's very little straight dialogue. Most of the action happens under music or in rap. So that's another fun kind of Hamilton-esque also <laughs> aspect of the musical. Hi, um, I just want to tell you, um, I loved the songs, especially interrogation, it was so funny. I love that irony, and um, I just love it. It was hilarious, and it, it, I, I just love how it um, educates us about the history of Angels Island and what the Chinese immigrants had to go through on Angels Island, and yet you made it so funny. Um, and so my question was, um, I want. So I'm currently teaching my fifth graders about the history of Angels Island and then we're analyzing the poems and I love interrogation so much but I noticed that there was like curse words in it um um do like is there any songs that you recommend that I am able to show my students like songs about curse words <laughs> I'm looking on YouTube right now like looking up all these songs because I really want to show them this because I think it's so cool and so hilarious but um, I don't want to get fired <laughs> 
That's so funny. Um, I know that, yeah, one, you know, later this week, we're going to be showing interrogation at a panel that uh, Ed Tepburn, who's the uh, director of AIISF, is doing. And he's also like, I need to warn people that there is a curse word in that song. Um, you know, we, we will be putting it online later and we can't, we have uh, bleeped some parts of other songs in, in our performances. Um, yeah, I don't know, Olivia, is there? Yeah, so, I mean, are you, are you, look, would you like to play a version of the interrogation with bleeps? Because maybe, yes. we, can, maybe we can make a ver version of that? That would be awesome if you could do that. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, there definitely is a huge value in, in showing it to definitely, yeah, to the, to, to the youth. And I'm not opposed to edit. Yeah, I can edit it and I can, I can bleep it out if you want. Yeah, great. Um, maybe, maybe we can connect via email. I don't know if that. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll be able to get your, we're planning to send a thank you email to all of the attendees. So maybe we can do that that way. Is that okay, Anthony? Yeah, that's fine. Actually, Victoria, I have a question for you. How exactly are you integrating this particular lesson into uh, your curriculum? Is it for APA Heritage Month or is it spe some specific topic in your classroom right now? Um, so what happened was um, the principal told all the teachers that we have to do an equity lessons and make it through a literacy um through a literacy lens, so connect reading and writing with equity, and we could choose any equity topic, and I decided to do um, uh, this topic due to all the hate crimes that's been going on for centuries. Mm -hmm. So um, I first did the Chinese Exclusion Act, and then I'm doing connecting um, the Chinese Exclusion Act to what's happen what happened in Angels Island, and then from that we analyzed the poems that were carved on the walls, and then from that next I'm doing um, Vincent Chin, so how those like racism and um, anti-Chinese rhetoric apply to like because Vincent Chin was the first hate crime um, against Asians American, or at least it was legally recognized. And then from there, I'm going to talk about the hate crimes that's going on in the present day. That's great. Uh, just so you know, online, there's a um, uh, website called Asian American Education Project. It's part of the Asian American uh, for Advancing Justice. Uh, they provide actually classroom lesson plans available for uh, grades one all the way to 12. Uh, it's available online for free. Uh, you can use it in your curriculum. And also they have uh, free online workshops available for teachers in order to learn how to do so. And this is in uh, tandem with, uh, together with the docu-series on PBS that they're re-airing again on Asian Americans, uh, which is available online right now on PBS, uh, advertised as till June uh, some date. But if you actually uh, Google uh, PBS learning media, th all those videos are available online all year long together with classroom lesson plans. So uh, that's a resource available for you and also your colleagues uh, in your school. Thank you so much. Yep. Great to know. Elijah says, uh, after working with the musical and deeply uh, personal history of this work for such a long time, have you had ideas for additional stories uh, and historical snapshots to incorporate into Illegal since its debut in 2019? Yes, um, some ideas off the top of my head, you know, there were some, there were, you're going back to a lot of those stories from uh, Immigrant Voices from Angel Island, uh, the non-Chinese stories. Uh, those are really interesting um, 
a, a uh, one of my colleagues from from Yale sent me his own research for uh, into a lot of really interesting figures. Uh, one that really struck me was um, this revolutionary from from India who was uh, you know going to study in the U.S. Uh, at the time uh, when they when India was uh, under British colonial rule, there was this uh, one guy who was you know coming to the U.S. to study and and he was trying he was an advocate for Indian independence and uh, he wrote a lot of his own poetry you know like during his journey, I think maybe on Angel Island as well, and in the US and AISF like has a story on him where that happened and then he he went back and I believe he was, he actually fought to overthrow the British in India and was, uh, and then wound up being executed, but he's seen as a hero. So like, there are so many really interesting stories like that one that um, I'm also interested in telling. Yes, and we talked about while we were developing the musical, we had a short timeline in order to make the first workshop production happen, but future timeline, future plots might include um, an Asian family, I'm sorry, an Indian family and their story. And the Skylar has also tried to incorporate into the actual music, um, Eastern music influences. So like um, Chinese folk songs and, um, and then the possibility of incorporating um, traditional Indian music beats as well, and sort of sampling those and having an, um, a collage of those kinds of influences was really exciting for us. So we're still exploring what that would look like, but we're it's definitely in in our minds. And then um, I'm also thinking about maybe making a Wild West story about uh, one of the characters, <laughs> one of the characters in the in the in the musical named Keelan, who's a who's a martial arts master, and she uh, I don't know something about something about how she um, starts her, a new life in in uh, America in the West, like kind of like with uh, Warrior and Kung Fu, like the 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 Bruce Lee uh, the, the the stories that he's written. Uh, question from Anna. Uh, in your research about Angel Island, did you come across information about to what extent children around the ages of 10 to 13 were interrogated before they were let into the U.S.? Uh, mm -hmm. That time period that they're thinking about would be around pre-1965. So pre-1965, yeah. Actually, the um, what's really interesting about that question is my grandfather was 10 when he came to the U.S., so that... that uh, that interrogation transcript that we showed on that slide with the really intense questions, that was to a 10-year-old. Um, so like state your name, your age, your place of birth, what what is the your neighbor's sister's dog look like, that kind of thing. It was intense and they were treated as if they were uh, illegal immigrant adults, um, so to speak. And he was also, you know, he was he was detained with um, you know, separated from his family and uh with adult men and uh it I can't even imagine how uh, scary it must have been when you're 10 to deal with that. Yes, there's also a character in the musical named Laiwa, who is based on a oh, real yeah. person from history who went through Angel Island as a three-year-old with the rest of her family, and she was also interrogated. Um, but she was really fiery and um, <laughs> actually um, fired back questions at the interrogators. So yeah. what, what am I missing about Laiwa? Oh, and they let her through because of that. They <laughs> just sassed them until they gave up and 
that was history. And I think she's still actually, I think she's still um, around in the Bay Area. Uh, I think I knew somebody who knew her uh, at one point. Yes, she's a really cool character. <laughs> in person. Yeah. Jim asked, uh, how and where are you getting the cast together? Uh, is there a large enough pool of Asian artists? So uh, I guess I'll take that question um, as the director. Um, yes, there is a, a, a pool of Asian artists, definitely. And I think that they are perhaps less known on the broad scale, but I do have friends who are um, artists and what we tried to do was to contact artists our age who are at our stage in, in their careers so that we could kind of give them their start and encourage them to keep going because it can be pretty discouraging. I know people who are more established in the field say that it is hard for um, Asian people to get cast and there are very few parts for specifically Asian or Asian American actors. Um, but we did find them through friends of friends and also from past gigs that I've worked on. Um, I, I found this cast. So there, there is a bigger pool than I think most people think based on what Hollywood looks like, but there um, needs to be more roles created for that pool of talented actors. So that's something that we're trying to do in our work and the future musicals and plays that we're writing. Uh, Stephen asks, uh, have you had success with col uh, college campus Asian American student associations or stop Asian hate organizations to promote and perform illegal? I guess, yeah, one of the first times we promoted it was with, yeah, a lot of it was within Yale. Um, the uh, Asian American Alumni Network uh, had us perform at the 50th uh, anniversary um, for their organization. And uh, you know, for colleges, like that's something that we're very interested in doing in the future uh, is is partnering with uh, with campuses um, outside of our uh, alma mater. And yeah, so this this uh, we're, uh, throughout this month, we're also um, we have a few really exciting uh, tour stops, so-called planned uh, for uh, for for talks like this uh, with a lot of really cool nonprofit organizations um, to to do an event to uh, talk about South Asian hate and what we can do as artists and uh, storytellers to do that. So stay tuned for those. Yes, and we, we definitely want to tap more into the college community, the university community, but we are starting to perform more for high schoolers. Um, we have a couple high school gigs. So that's exciting for us, you know, connecting with the, the youth and we're planning to do some workshops with them about actually how do you tell a story and choose your medium and we'll help you develop the story that you've always wanted to tell. So we're excited about reaching a younger audience and inspiring them before they even get to college too. In terms of um, the development of this uh, musical, how has the pandemic actually affected the, the progression of it? Yeah, we, we were in talks with a few different organizations. Uh, theater was even planning to book us to do, to do a run in 2020 um and then yeah everything everything uh shut down we were oh another thing is we were we were uh doing we we're going to do a, a live performance with angel island uh, actually a few of them uh throughout the course of last year because they were doing a lot of really cool uh events with uh the museum work that they do uh but yeah a lot of those uh, were either shut down or made virtual 
Um, so yeah, last year, the one main thing that we did was, uh, we did the virtual, we did a virtual, uh, we, we performed it, we performed at the virtual fundraiser for Angel Island, um, in the summer last year, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been tough because of the pandemic and we're looking forward to, uh, it being over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everything was about the development was basically put on pause because of all the things that we, we were dealing with also personally. Um, and we didn't know when the pandemic would end. So we kept hoping that, okay, maybe, maybe we can salvage this and salvage our tour. We were originally planning to do this tour in person last year, last May. Um, but that didn't happen at the same time. I think the good thing that came out of it is that we have greater clarity about where we want to take the story and where we want to take the musical and, um, how we want to advocate for the story and stories like it um, because of the greater urgency that we feel based on what has happened um, during the pandemic, the violence and the aggression towards the Asian American community. So it feels now like we originally wrote it and performed it in response to Trump's immigration policies. Now it's still relevant and still really timely because of um, what happened during the pandemic. So it continues to be relevant and something that we feel is urgent in a, in a new way. So that's exciting for us. And we want to continue to build that momentum. Betty asks, uh, Skylar, this is to you. Um, was music and or performance always an interest of yours growing up? Uh, and were you uh, encouraged by your parents and or family members? Uh, did you have any conflict focusing on creative arts rather than pursuing something in STEM? Uh, oh, that's a great question. Well, actually, I did major. I majored in environmental science, and I am currently working in like sort of STEM. Um, and so there is a you know that, but that is like a very a very uh, time like a common uh, theme for people like me who who like who like to do creative stuff. Um, and, you know, when I was younger, yeah, my family did encourage me to perform. Uh, my dad is a, he teaches Kung Fu and martial arts. Um, and so I grew up doing a lot of like cultural performances, uh, you know, with my brother and with uh, people in, in uh, just various Asian organizations uh, back then. And uh, yeah, in, in, in high school, I got really involved in my high school's like band, like battle of the bands. So I did that a lot, you know, even, when I was supposed to be studying. Um, it's always been, uh, yeah, performing has always been a part of my life. Um, I know my mom often gets questions about, uh, you know, like me and my brother both uh, are really into, uh, we, we just like sit down and play piano, uh, pop and rock and jazz and stuff like that spontaneously. And my mom gets a lot of questions about that. Like, oh, from other parents, like, oh, how did you get them to play music and she says oh I just let them like sort of quit lessons and do what they wanted and and I was like I was like oh thank you for that <laughs> I really appreciate that Alvin asks in our current climate do you find that people are more receptive to illegal and a great presentation by the way that says Alvin and uh, Wendy oh thank you Alvin and Wendy also thank you so much for being one of the first people to encourage us to create a musical um that's actually that, that was there, that was like the milestone that get, got it all uh, started. Um, yeah, I think people have been largely 
when we've reached out to, to uh, people in organizations about um, about the musical, given the current climate, I think the response has been very passionate. So that's that's really good to see. Um, I don't know if you have any other. Yeah, I think I think there's a certain urgency that people feel now because they realize how important this story is and stories like it, and so we def we definitely want to fill that that void or address that desire in people and something that i think we acknowledge as artists is that we often um are preaching to the choir or we're we're, we're sharing stories that people maybe know about but are, we're sharing a different version and we want to reach those people absolutely and reach beyond also because we want to tell this story to people who have never heard of angel island and have never really interrogated their own biases or what what a professional musical should look like or the people performing it or writing it mm. look like or where they're from or anything like that so yeah our, our goal is to continue to share that in a wider audience with people who don't necessarily feel the urgency but should uh, before we conclude, I just want to thank uh, Olivia and Skylar for sharing their wonderful project with us uh, today. Uh, Legal is continuing its virtual tour with a performance and talk this Sunday, May 23rd at 8 p.m. as part of the Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage uh, Festival uh, organized by uh, CAPA Kappa uh, as part of their featured events lineup. And also they're doing another performance uh, co-presented with the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. Uh, that ha has yet to be scheduled, but will uh, happen later on this month. Uh, you can actually visit uh, Illegal, a new musical on their Facebook page. And also, I think there's an Instagram page available, Olivia, Skylar? Yes, yes Skylar's <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Skylar, you want to mention your Instagram? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's at sky.sam, S-A-M dot chin, C-H-I-N. That's my yep. And so for attendees uh, seeking educational resources to teach Asian American history and anti-racism uh, in the classroom or in your community, uh, the Institute has an extensive list of resources available online under publications, CUNY forum within the learning resources section of our publication, Corona Conversations. Uh, we also have a talk scheduled this coming Friday with Elizabeth, Professor Elizabeth Hannah Rubio uh, from uh, University of California, Irvine. Uh, she's going to be talking about Black Asian solidarities and the impasses of how to anti-racism. So please join us for that. And so thank everybody for attending tonight's talk. Uh, thank you, Skylar, Olivia, once again. Um, stay healthy, get vaccinated, and be an upstander if you see a fellow person in need. And with that, good night, and please support Illegal. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Anthony.